My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alrighty, we have Allison here. Thank you, Allison, for taking some time to share with us your story today. I know the listeners will really get a lot out of it, so... Let's hop into it. Why don't you just start by talking to us about your family background, basic demographic information to give our listeners some some information about where you're coming from. Um, I have two kids. Um, I have a four-year-old boy and an 11-year-old niece who we have guardianship over. Um, I just consider her my daughter and will refer to her as my daughter. Um, I was a teacher and then I was a stay-at-home mom then a photographer, and now I'm a nanny and a tutor. So I've worn all different types of hats. Um, I have recently been divorced after 11 years of marriage. Um, I pretty much was married all of my adult life. I got married on my 22nd birthday. Um, My then husband and I went on a trip called the World Race after I graduated college. And it was a missions trip to 11 countries in 11 months. So um, that was a monumental thing in my life that um, really gave me perspective on the world and gave me a vision of how I wanted to live my life. When we got back from the world race, um, I jokingly say that my my then husband and I became insta parents. Um, I had a miscarriage. Um, in January 2016 and then six days later I found out that my niece would be coming to live with us so our world like totally changed in just you know a couple weeks time Um, we became emergency foster parents Um, I never really had the time to grieve my miscarriage Um, we did find out that we had would have had a little girl so um, Yeah, that was really hard. And then I did get pregnant a few months later um, in around March of 2016. And so within nine months, I had basically nine to 12 months, I basically went from no kids whatsoever to having two kids. Um, And yeah, it was just a huge change in my life crazy I can't even imagine I mean becoming a parent obviously even in the most unplanned scenario you still have several months to kind of get used to that but the whole issue Mm -hmm. of having to become an emergency foster parent especially 
dealing with all of the heavy, heavy emotions of having just had a miscarriage, that's really deep. And it seems like you, you probably felt like you got robbed of the opportunity, like you said, to mourn your miscarriage because you had to kind of just jump into parenthood. You had to be this foster parent to, at the time, what was, what was she maybe like? Six and a half. Yeah. So needing a lot at that time, not that they don't ever really need a lot, but yeah. So, so that had to have been tricky. How did you navigate that with your then husband? Um, he was awesome. I mean, she, my niece had come to stay with us, um, ever since she was little, my sister had some issues with mental health as well. Um, and then she was basically abandoned with her dad and there was some abuse and stuff. And it just, you know, having a child that really had high needs and had a trauma background, um, you know, we had to learn a lot really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we read books on it and we asked, you know, school counselors and stuff. Um, eventually we got her into, um, like therapy. And then what we did is we used a really awesome, um, group, um, that did in-home therapy and we would do two hours of parent coaching a week and then two hours, um, with her, um, she'd come out of school one day a week for an extra two hours and then she'd do individual therapy and then we'd do family therapy together. So we had a good, like 15, 15 months, 18 months of working with this organization. And it really like changed our, it changed our approach to parenting. Um, you know, it really was like transforming for her. Um, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Um, when like, I'd say things got really cloudy, like it was just hard to like think straight. Um, you know, I didn't want to get off the couch. I, um, didn't want to cook. I didn't want to take care of myself, uh, not taking showers, um, not washing my face. Um, you know, I would take care of the kids, but as far as myself went, like, I just kind of like let things go. Um, and that's pretty common with anxiety and depression with your activities of daily living. Um, they just kind of go out the window, you know, everything that you do to take care of yourself. Um, I actually got to a point where I was suicidal. Um, and I just felt so trapped being a mom and being a wife. And, you know, there was problems going on, like with my marriage at the time as well. Um, and I just wanted everything to end. And um, so I found myself in the hospital several times in inpatient treatment um, that I knew that I had to do something different in order to, in order to change things around. And so that was when I went and I did my first round of uh, residential treatment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, I'm so sorry 
to hear that things got that bad for you. And unfortunately for so many moms out there, they don't have that moment where like you're describing where they're like, I have to do something. They end up going the other way and they end up really severely hurting themselves or worse. And so I'm really glad that you were able to turn that corner at some point and, you know, realize that you, you were willing and able and wanting to do something different and get help. So yeah. talk to us about what that was like. I mean, now you have your daughter at home, you have your, your, your young son at home, you, you've been in and out of inpatient a couple of times. You said, talk to us about the decision to go and get that more intense treatment and kind of what that process was like, what you learned. Um, it was a really hard decision to make because I, you know, cared for my, my kids and I cared for my husband. Um, you know, so it wasn't just like an easy, like, oh, I'm going to take a vacation and ditch out here. It like, it put a lot of stress on my family. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of stress on my husband. My in-laws were really great and took my son, um, up to where they live and you know watched him you know they got to see his first steps and some of his first words and I remember um it was around Halloween time and they he had a little red helmet that he had to wear for his skull and they put a little leaf on top and made him an apple and I just oh. remember like seeing those pictures you know and realizing like I'm missing out on this right now but like I won't be here if I Mm -hmm. don't take care of myself like I will miss out on everything um you know that's and so, what I tell when I, I when I work with parents yeah they do they experience that feeling like I'm missing this I'm missing his first day of school I'm missing their first steps and it's like but you would be missing so you were missing more right like mm -hmm. I know it it's it's awful and like you did something great for yourself and you did something great for your family yeah, I knew that I needed it. Um, I, so I made the decision to go to residential. Um, there's a great program um, at Rogers that I went to called the Focus Program. And it's for people with like mood disorders and depression, anxiety. Um, you know, it was the first time that I really like started learning coping skills, you know, how to deal with um, how to deal with issues that I'd been dealing with for years, um, that had kind of like compounded themselves. Um, you know, it totally took me out of everything that I kind of knew and gave me an opportunity to focus on myself for the first time in years. Um, you know, they worked on my medications to get those, those correct. Um, we would go to the YMCA three times a week. We'd always go on walks. Um, I was so impressed with just the different programming that they gave us to, um, like to, that was just really well-rounded um, programming that kind of focused on all different areas of mental well-being and mental health. So it was really good for me. Um, I actually ended up going to residential treatment three times in the next couple of years. Um, I went twice for the anxiety, depression, and once for um, 
an eating disorder. Um, they were similar type things. Again, I can't even imagine the emotions and the, the stress and the difficulty of having to navigate all those transitions, but it seems like you just wanted to take advantage of all the resources that you were given and try to do mm -hmm. the best that you could for her, having her trauma background and just trying to be informed about that and everything. So yeah, talk to me about what it was like when your son eventually came and, and kind of what that was like having to navigate one more thing into the mix. <clears throat> yeah, um, I have had depression since I was 16. Um, I was always kind of in denial, deni um, denial about it um, because my twin sister has bipolar and I didn't want to be like her um, because of how people treated her and just a stigma with it. So I also had an eating disorder since I was about 16 as well. Um, and so I was very like private about my struggles. Um, you know, I felt like when my niece came to live with us, um, like becoming emergency foster parents, you have to like be able to have your doctors like sign off and say you're fit, fit to be parents. And so I felt like I had to just stuff all my mental health issues like down because I didn't want anybody to find out like how much I was actually struggling. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was when she came to live with us. And then, um, like I said, nine months later, I had my son um, and we were kind of wrapping up the foster care stuff and going for guardianship, um, which all worked out really well. Um, but with my son, I just, like, I kind of managed it for a while. Like I was holding myself together. Um, you know, especially when he was like really young, I was breastfeeding and I, um, yeah, I was breastfeeding and like doing pretty well until he was about 11 months old. And that's when I started to really, really struggle with my depression and anxiety. Um, another thing was, is that I was like teaching at the time. Um, you know, I told myself that I could make it through like to the end of the school year, but I'd like physically get sick when I'd like sit down and like try to work on schoolwork. Um, I was also forced to resign from my teaching job because my anxiety was uh, preventing me from doing like even basic things that I needed to teach, such as like communication, following through, um, and so much more. So it actually kind of came down to a point where I had pain in my back um, so much that I couldn't walk. And I was put in the hospital when I was seven weeks pregnant and I couldn't walk for eight days, um, because of pain and they couldn't really find like physical, um, they couldn't really find like a physical reason, like why I was having that much pain. And so they told me that I, um, had a conversion disorder, meaning like your mental illness and stuff like kind of play out like in a physical way. So that's just evidence like how much stress I was under because normal people don't get these conversion disorders. Right. Yeah. The mind and the body are so complicated, especially when you're under such immense amount of stress, mm -hmm. your body, when you're not able or willing to 
slow things down for whatever reason. And obviously you weren't able to, you had so many things going on. Your body finds a way, your body finds a way to slow you down. And it seems like maybe that was a little bit of what was going on. Like your body had just had enough. It was your brain's way of saying that you had had enough. So, so yeah. So talk to me about, and I, I think it's really important for women to know too, like just because you feel good the first couple months or the first initial transition into motherhood, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily in the clear and vice versa. Like if you end up struggling several months into it, that's okay too. Like, cause that was what happened to me as well. I was fine for a while. And then I think nine or 10 months was when things really started to get cloudy and dark for me. So Talk to me about how you said that you struggled more with depression and anxiety when he was a little bit older, like 11 months or so. Talk to us about how that manifested kind of in your day-to-day life. But like the second time that I went back to residential treatment, they kind of took a different approach. Um, You know, they really like challenged me to become confident and independent woman um, because I was so used to just sitting on the couch and having my husband like do things for me um, because I really believe that I couldn't do them for myself. I have just really like focused on taking care of myself. Yeah, it's great when they don't just give you like a skill here and a skill there, but like they teach you to like live a different lifestyle, like live more Mm -hmm. confidently and live more independently. I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbaugh, one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. But you've mentioned it and you've, you know, referenced it, you your then husband, you, you are recently divorced. So talk to us if you can just about that process and the timeline there and how you've been coping through that. Yeah. Going through divorce was really surreal for me. Um, I'm still not sure if it's like totally hit me. Um, I received my divorce papers while I was in the residential treatment. Um, it was really stressful and like, I didn't fully understand them or understand like why my husband was divorcing me. Um, And so, I mean, I was in the best place that I could have been to kind of work through that. But I mean, they just kept saying that they were so impressed with my ability to kind of cope and radically accept my situation for what it was. Um, I, after I got out of residential treatment, Um, I moved in with some really good family friends, um, who really 
they've just been incredibly supportive. So where I'm at now is like I've officially been out of treatment for six months. A huge thing that I did when I was in residential treatment was bring my parents in for family sessions. I'd always just brought my husband at the time in for sessions and it really wasn't productive. Um, he just wasn't understanding like where I was at and that I couldn't really help, you know, some of my mental illness. Um, but anyways, back to like my parents, I had a really rocky relationship with them growing up. So it was like the first time that I'd ever included them on anything that I was struggling with mental health wise. Um, but now like my mom's my greatest cheerleader and like my stepdad even calls to check in on me quite often. Um, and so that's been awesome. Um, taking care of myself is so important. I make sure that I take my medications daily and still meet with my therapist on a weekly basis. Um, I also meet with a res registered dietitian to support me in eating and nutrition. Um, and then I stick pretty close to a schedule. I nanny three days a week, tutor two days a week, and do my photography on the side. Um, I'm just not able to like make a living off my photography at the moment. Um, you know, I'm on my own now and, you know, single, single mom. Um, so I have to like do something to pay for rent and put food on the table. Um, as I said, I'm living with the good family friends. Um, I'm feeling more confident in myself and I know that I have the tools I need to succeed um, in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And then also like I have an amazing system of friends and family that hold me accountable, encourage me and just support me whenever I need it. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing, which I just encourage moms to do is like, get a good night's sleep. Like sometimes that's all you need. Like it's the end of the day. Like, like I personally have narcolepsy. And so I make sure I get enough sleep. Um, I'm really like useless if I don't. Um, yeah. Then, I, I realized early on that I, one of my big triggers is no sleep and I am like night and day difference. When mm -hmm. my son started to sleep through the night, it's like, oh my goodness, I can parent. <laughs> I can think straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, before we get into our wrap up questions, I'm really curious, is there maybe just like one or two takeaways from your treatment that you feel like would be helpful for other women, things that you learned in treatment that before you went to treatment, you did not do, or you were like, oh my gosh, this is totally different from how I used to be living. Yeah. I think a huge one is just realizing that I have a huge toolbox of skills. Um, you know, equipping myself with that, like, I feel like I can kind of conquer anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been kind of my, my mantra over the last six months is just like using my skills. Well, you I, already I mentioned, you've mentioned radical acceptance. That's a big one. Yeah, actually, that was the first thing that kind of came to mind is just like radically accepting that like, I was getting a divorce and that I have gotten a divorce and that I'm on my own now. Um, but it's just like my reality. And if I just, if I don't accept it, like I'm just going to suffer, mm -hmm. you know? Um, they always say like pain plus um, acceptance, you know, 
is, I don't know if you know that, that saying, but, um, you know, pain plus denial is going to be more pain. Yeah, absolutely. And that radical acceptance for those listeners who, who have never heard of it before is essentially it's a DBT or a dialectical behavioral therapy technique that is just accepting life as it is. Uh, not necessarily that you become complacent, but it's this acceptance of things that you cannot change or that you are not willing or able to change. So yeah, exactly. so, yeah. so, so sitting with this, you know, especially like anything that you can't change or that cannot be changed or that you're not willing to change, you are better off just trying to accept it as it is. Like it is what it is type thing. Otherwise it becomes, like you said, it becomes suffering and radical mm -hmm. acceptance is the way through and out of accept or out of, um, suffering. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think one more thing that like, I kind of like brought through this is just like, well, I'll, I'll explain in the next couple questions, but basically like a belief in myself, um, that I'm worth it. Like I'm worth fighting for, um, I'm worth fighting for myself. Um, you know, there's so many things in life right now that just tell us that we're not worth it. And, you know, it could be like things that have happened in the past or just like, like media. And I don't know, I just feel like the world kind of like, focuses on that and just knowing that you're worth it to fight for is really a powerful thing yeah absolutely so let's get to it let's get to these other questions because i feel like you're gonna have so much good stuff to say so what do you wish you knew before say earlier in motherhood or even before pregnancy that you know now um i definitely say parenting is the hardest thing that you'll ever do but you'll learn along the way. Um, you know, every day is new and it's an opportunity to learn and grow in your journey of parenthood. I love that. I feel like I needed that. <laughs> mm, yep. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, for sure. And as soon as you get used to one thing and you feel like you've mastered one thing, you, something else changes, like they start teething or they start school, like you just learn along the way, but it's, it's, it's always hard. It's just hard in different ways. And they're not going to stop. Like, you know, my son is like speech impaired and talks, he's almost four years old and he talks at the level of a one to two year old. And, you know, so it's, it's hard to like, be like, oh, he's growing and stuff, which he is um, at his own pace. But I see so many other things in him, like that he is learning, um, you know, how to like play more independently. And um, he's finally like putting blocks together and building things. And, you know, if he really is excited, he's like coming over and like showing you and like, I don't know. It's just, it's so, if you just like, sit and watch your kids like you're gonna like learn so much mm -hmm. and when you what I'm hearing you say is like when you break from that really rigid way of looking at things you can see mm -hmm. a lot of beauty that maybe you wouldn't normally see so what you're saying it seems like if you were to just look at your son in this like simple this rigid trajectory of what everyone else says that he should be right now then you would miss out yeah. on all these other really awesome things that he's doing that is also a really great reflection of your parenting so yeah. just looking 
more flexibly at the situation and looking at other things versus this, like, this is how things should be. Yeah. So what would you tell yourself back then if you could talk to that woman now at any point? Um, I would tell myself that I can do hard things. Um, you know, I've had to make really tough decisions about my mental health and like what I need. Um, you know, the reason that my ex-husband like divorced me is because I was in mental health like too much, you know, and I could sit there and be like, well, maybe if I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have gone to residential or whatever, I could sit there and like tell all my, myself all these things, you know, the reality is, is that that's what I needed at the time. And unfortunately, like, if he can't deal with it, like, I don't know, that's something that he needs to deal with and learn from because I've done my best, mm -hmm. you know, to survive and, and even, you know, now that I'm, I'm learning how to flourish, um, you know, not just survive in life. Yeah. I mean, you did the best that you could with what you were given at the time. And so knowing that you were able to give yourself grace for that is really admirable. And I just honor you completely for having that perspective. Yeah. Thank you. I actually want to back up. And I know this is a question that we talked about is like, what is important for other moms to know? Mm -hmm. um, I just like was thinking about it and wrote something down and Okay, so the question was, what's important for other moms to know? And I wrote, you have to fight for yourself. No one can really do that for you. But also, you're never alone. Help is there when you need it. Plug yourself into community, whether it's a church group, a mom's group, a virtual Facebook type support group. People want to help. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then your last question, why do you think it's important to go and do hard things? Um, you know, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't gone through hard things. And there's no way that I can even express all the hard things I've gone through. Like, just a very brief, like, I was adopted. Um, my mom had me out of wedlock. My parents got divorced. My father died. My sister um, went through a lot of mental health stuff. I went through, um, you know, some really abusive relationships. Um, you know, all these different things, like they're all these hard things that I've done, you know, and I just kind of think of it like running an endurance race. Mm -hmm. Like you have to work your way up to it. But like the more hard things you do, the more resilient and stronger you're going to become. 100%. I always tell the people who I work with, like this, this is like a muscle that you're building. We need you we need people who are able and willing to do hard things. If you're not able or willing to do hard things, we're going to end up being a community of people, a world of people who just settle and who aren't resilient and who are afraid. And, and like, I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> like I, we, right. need, we need people who have that muscle and who are willing to build that muscle of tolerating the tough stuff. And in order to do that, you have to work that muscle. You have to go through the hard stuff. Like you're saying, you have to, you know, 
make that decision when you're an inpatient to do something better and go get help. You have to make the decision mm -hmm. to reach out for those mom groups and be vulnerable because people want to help you, but you have to be willing to do the hard stuff and reach out first. You have to be willing to, you know, do this radical acceptance stuff that in the midst of a divorce, being able to say it is what it is. Like those are all really great examples of doing the hard stuff and yeah, we just got to work that muscle. Otherwise, what what is it about, right? Like we're all just going to yeah. be walking around scared and playing small. And I don't want to live like that. I just want to say one more thing too, Jenna. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Like if you're struggling with something, like there is help out there and there's all different levels of help. You know, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to have to go to like residential care. Like there's, you know, intensive outpatient programs and partial hospitalization programs um, that are just meant to kind of come around a person like where they're at and just help them to gain those skills, you know, so that they can deal with, with the hard things. Um, you know, and I know that there's such a stigma out there. Um, about mental health and you know it's been really hard even in this interview podcast to like open up about it but honestly I have nothing to hide like I've never I haven't done anything wrong like this is just some of the cards that have been dealt to me you know and even the mental health like card um you know but there is help possible and I feel you know the other thing is recovery is possible too like, I feel, I've, you know, felt so empowered over these last six months that, like, when I have a bad day, honestly, like, I just, or if I feel like things are getting out of control, I just stop and I take a deep breath and say, you know what, like, you can do this mm -hmm. and, you know, you can wait, like, take a break and then, attack, uh, you know, um, approach the next thing that's coming. Yeah, for sure. And in the two and a half years that I've been a mom, my, my one regret is honestly waiting so long to get help, like, I, and to speak up about it because having, like, in hindsight, first of all, people have to know, like, if you want help, get it before ideally i would have people even go to get help before they're in crisis mode right like yeah absolutely crisis mode is not the time to be getting help for the first time i remember when i reached out for the first time to see a therapist they wanted me to wait six months and mm. at that point i was already on the phone like i was at my bottom like i i the you want me to wait six months like absolutely not no way and luckily mm -hmm. I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who could get me in, but not everyone is in that position that I'm in. And right. so just first to piggyback off of what you said, which is like, get the help and get it early. Like, do not wait mm -hmm. for, for yourself to be in crisis mode. You're worth more than that. And then two, like, as you've mentioned, like you've done nothing wrong. We all have to do our part in normalizing this and to decrease the stigma. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started to come out and talk about some of my deeper, darker stuff, it's like, as soon as I said something, everybody else started to talk too. And so mm -hmm. in my, you know, vulnerability, 
I allowed 10 other women to heal. And as those 10 other women, maybe in their own separate conversations, they say something, they each heal 10 more people. And it's yeah. just like a, it's just like a, 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 a butterfly effect, right? Like it, we just all affect each other, but we have to make those decisions to open up and be vulnerable. And you did that today. So thank you so much for your story. And yeah, and just the, the uh, every message that you shared was just absolutely beautiful. So is there anything else that you can think of? I don't think so. You know, like I said, like, I've just done really hard things in my life. And I'm grateful for each, each thing that, you know, has come my way. And, you know, I, I know I wouldn't be like who I am today. And I think that I'm a badass mom who's rocking it. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm really proud of myself. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.